Welcome to Pocket Economics, a guide to changing lives, our podcast about the ideas which are shaping the EBRD regions and beyond. I'm Jonathan Charles, and today we're discussing how to make female-led businesses more successful. No one ever said it was easy being an entrepreneur, and it's certainly not easy if you're a female entrepreneur. According to the UN, the income of female workers and entrepreneurs across the world will lag behind men's for another 70 years. So what can we do to support women entrepreneurs? What does it take to succeed as a woman in business? Our guest today is Charlotte Ruhr, Director for Financial Products within the Small Business Initiative, the Banks Initiative, to support SMEs. She's also one of the minds behind our Women in Business programme. Charlotte, what motivates women to launch their own companies? And how, you know, how do they become successful? What are the traits that mean success? Jonathan, it's a pleasure to be here with you today. I would say that women launch their own companies for two reasons. One is because they really want to be an entrepreneur. They have a great idea. They want to develop that concept and build their company. The other is out of necessity. And I would say that those companies are harder to make successful. Those people don't necessarily bring the direction and the skill set necessary to succeed. And so there's a lot of work to be done to make a success of those businesses. Now, in the next few minutes, we'll look at some of the obstacles they face. I mean, it's uh, not simple for anybody starting a business. But what are the biggest obstacles that women entrepreneurs in particular face? Well, first of all, I think women feel a greater challenge in having the confidence to move ahead with their ideas and start their company. And in our work, we help a lot to strengthen their networks and to give them access to other entrepreneurs in a similar situation to build their confidence in what they're trying to do. That's one thing. Another thing, of course, is access to finance. And women often lack the collateral for their business. In some jurisdictions, they don't get to own the property. In other cases, their business is in the service sector. And in the service sector, you usually don't have assets you can pledge. Or finally, they might be a new entrepreneur, a relatively young enterprise, without the track record for the banks to lend lend to them. Now, we know globally that there's a pay gap between men and women. That also spills over, doesn't it, into entrepreneurship. There's a pay gap between, or earnings gap, or a gap in, in, in the money that they pay themselves between male and female entrepreneurs sometimes. Well, that is true, but I think, I think that the issue around the pay gap has a lot to do also with, well, there's a, there's a question of discrimination, but there's also a question of life breaks that women take because women mm. raise their children. Mm. And if you're out of the workforce for a good deal of your childbearing age, maybe you have more than one or two children. Maybe you have three or four kids. Or maybe even with one child, you decide to take five to ten years off. You're out of the workforce. You get missed for promotions. You miss the experience that your peers have. And, for example, even if you look in an organization like the European Bank, our managing directors are women with grown children or with no children. And And that's fairly typical, isn't it? That is very typical. Exactly, Mm. exactly. What needs to change then? Well, I think women need support. And uh, I think it's great when organizations provide networking and mentoring opportunities within the organization, as we do here. 
But also, um, I would say that networking and mentoring are important in the broader business community, because especially for entrepreneurs, they need access to the network where they're going to find the companies they might want to sell to, the company that might want to um, be that they might want to engage in a partnership with, or perhaps even have a merger with on one, you know, eventually. So, so f- for example, in Turkey, we work with the Turkish Women's International Network, Turkish Win, um, for, to provide mentoring to our clients in our Women in Business program. There, this is an organization that's well established. They have a good methodology, and we think it's really important that mentoring be part of the. Um, offer for the women entrepreneurs. You've mentioned Turkey. Obviously, you spend a lot of time going around EBRD countries, EBRD regions. How do they compare, do you think, to Western Europe? Well, you know, it's complicated because I think that in some in some respects, we have some countries, for example, Russia, the Baltic states, Poland, where women um, do quite well. In fact, in some in a number of cases better than in Western Europe with respect to uh, their role in entrepreneurship and their seniority in economics um, in terms of leading companies and and the like. They, you often see women in the position of CFO, hmm. although chief financial officer, yeah, chief financial hmm. officer, which some to some degree, particularly in Eastern Europe, comes from their background. Women were almost always the accountants, the chief accountant of the company, which isn't the same kind of high-powered role that the chief financial officer would have, for example, in the United States, in a big corporation or an investment bank, where it's very much a male domain where you don't very often see women in that position. Um, that being said, uh, in other parts of our countries of operation, especially Turkey, um, the southern and eastern Mediterranean, Central Asia, I, I would say that women are far less advanced in terms of um, either their role in leadership in companies, but also in the economy and politics in general. Is there then a prejudice in some countries against the idea of female entrepreneurs, not just practical obstacles, but... Oh, well, certainly. When we started our Women in Business program, we talked to um, clients. We did some sounding out, uh, some uh, focal focus groups, and we heard from, from some of them that they were asked when they applied for a loan at their local bank, well, you know, where is your husband or where is your father? That women weren't really expected to be able to borrow without that kind of blessing from the man in their life, which is a bit extraordinary when you can consider that even if a woman has these men in her life, she doesn't necessarily want them to have anything to do with her company, perhaps with very good reason. So, so that is the kind of um, barrier that women entrepreneurs face. Now, I don't suppose there are many male entrepreneurs going for loans asking where their wives or, uh, or mother is uh, when they're applying for a loan. You're listening to Pocket Economics, the EBRD podcast on how economic ideas help to change people's lives. We really want to hear what you think. You can contact us, of course, at EBRD on Twitter and on Facebook with the hashtag Pocket Economics. I'm Jonathan Charles. Today we're discussing women in business with our guest Charlotte Rowe. Charlotte, obviously the nature of companies is changing. Uh, the type of companies that are being set up, 
these days. One thinks of more tech companies, perhaps less heavy industrial companies than there would have been many years ago. Is that helpful to women entrepreneurs? Do they find it easier in that sense, or, or does it make no difference at all? Well, I think it's an interesting question, Jonathan. And on the one side, we do find women who go into entrepreneurship and create their own companies, particularly using digital means, online marketing and the mm. like, because they have the flexibility to work without having to be bound by an employer's schedule. Um, and, and especially if they're in contact with their clients online, they can schedule their engagements with their clients to suit their family life. And so I think that's quite attractive. But that is typically smaller companies, perhaps sole proprietors, someone who's providing a service, maybe a consultant. Whereas for the big technology companies, I think we've all read and seen that women are scarce um, in these companies, that in the venture capital world that is feeding the capital for those companies, there are very, very few women. Um, and so consequently, I think that in a way, while traditional industry has gotten much better at recognizing that they need to bring diversity in the boardroom, diversity into the thinking, promoting women from within. Um, the new companies in the technology sphere have a long way to go to bring women to a position of more equality within their organizations and, frankly, to create a more suitable work environment for them. Well, that's a very interesting point, isn't it? Because we often hear, you know, startups, they require very long hours. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's difficult for anybody. But again, perhaps particularly difficult for women if they have formal caring responsibilities as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so something needs to be done, obviously, to work around that if, if women is being encouraged into the workforce. Well, something needs to be done about that. And I think there's also in the technology companies, you know, there's a bit of a, it, it, the way they work, you know, this nice thing of making it feel like it's a campus and everybody is having a hackathon over the weekend. Well, you know, I'm sorry. I am interested in social issues and I want to help these things, but I can't. Um, leave my child alone for the weekend so I could join a hackathon. And I think that there's probably a lot of women employed in these companies who, who face the same kind of constraint. It's almost as if, though, it's for people who are just out of university who don't have any family commitments. Interesting point. Uh, how can the multilateral development banks help? What are we doing, for example, in the EBRD with the sort of instruments that are available to help encourage female entrepreneurship? Well, I'm so glad you give me the chance to say, because I'm very proud of what we've done here. We are now offering women in business programs in 16 of our countries of operation, soon to expand to other, others. This includes all of Eastern Europe, um, with the exception of the Russian Federation. Uh, this includes the Western Balkans, the Southern and Eastern Mediterranean are starting to come online. We have Egypt, we should soon start in Morocco, and um, we will soon also start in countries outside of Kazakhstan and Central Asia. Um, also Turkey, of course, I mentioned Turkey earlier. So what do we do with these programs? We have credit lines through our partner banks, we also have a risk-sharing element provided by donor funds, and I'd like to say a special thanks to the European Union and to CETA in Sweden, who have been our most generous donors in this respect. And we use, that, we use the grant for um, two elements. 
One is risk sharing to cover the lack of collateral or the higher risk of those women entrepreneurs' companies. Um, and then the other element is a whole technical assistance package that includes advice to the banks to improve their service and a real offer for the needs of the women that they are seeking to um, bank as entrepreneurs. And then there, the advice and support to the women entrepreneurs, which includes networking, mentoring, coaching, and advisory projects provided by local consultants and international experts. It's kind of complicated. It sounds like a lot. But we do this in a seamless way with the commercial banks. We have a consultant who helps us to organize networking events at those banks. We have partnered with the Cherie Blair Foundation in the Western Balkans and in some other countries. But in the big markets, we have sought a local partner who can provide the mentoring in local language with also the local business experience that is important. For example, you want to grow your company from southeast Turkey to have an office in Istanbul or a sales outlet there. It's good to have somebody who's local and understands that market. I mean, globally, when you, when you think about the area that you're operating in, and you think about encouraging female entrepreneurs, we must have globally, all of us, a huge amount to gain, haven't we, by getting more women into business? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. In fact, the research of the European Commission shows that the big economic leap forward that the European Union took in the 1970s was about bringing women into the workforce. And um, I heard in, in Istanbul this week that if they brought all the women into the workforce in the developing world, you would see the growth that is equal to what is happening in China and India. So imagine China and India, the size of the GDP. This is the missed portion of global GDP represented by women who are not in the workforce. So it's That's a- That's quite a loss. It is, absolutely. What advice would you give to women who are thinking of becoming entrepreneurs? I would say be sure that this is really what you want to do because I actually think that being an entrepreneur is is more than a full-time job. It's a real it's almost a vocation. And so I think that you know there will be a lot of challenges and you need to be convinced this is what you want and that you are really sold on your idea to see you through those challenges. Then I would say find others who know the business that you can get advice from, that you can set up as your mentor, um, avail yourselves of networks that you can find in your community, look for them more broadly if you have trouble, um, and then familiarize yourself with the different financial opportunities available to you. And certainly if you're in one of our countries of operation, Go see our local partner banks. Go see our Advice for Small Businesses teams in the EBRD offices because we can help you to find out all the resources and uh, support your enterprise. 
Charlotte, thank you very much indeed. That's all we've got time for. And as you were saying, uh, if you are interested in finding out more, you can visit ebrd.com to read about our work with SMEs and how we support women entrepreneurs. And as Charlotte was just saying there, how we can help, uh, of course, the EBRD can possibly help you. Meanwhile, share your thoughts with us at EBRD on Twitter and Facebook. Visit iTunes, SoundCloud and ebrd.com slash podcast to download the previous episodes. And remember that reviewing and rating Pocket Economics, well, that helps others to find it. So uh, you help us, you help others to find it uh, and we'd love to know what you think until next time goodbye